Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. SOS. This is our 16th, Number 16th? 16th episode. Uh, today we'll be discussing the Gospels. The Gospel according to Matthew, and I do have a confession to make before we get into it. I did not finish the whole book. The book is 28 chapters. I got through the first 20. But fortunately, I do know how the story ends. I've heard it before. <laughs> uh, they That's end, true. They end up uh, stringing him to a cross, and then he comes back from the dead. Spoiler alert, but that's what happens. Um, so, yeah, let me get into it. I want to see if I can get to my Amazon account. I read the Bible on a Kindle, and they allow you to highlight stuff. Let me see if I can find this. Kindle highlights. Um, I got to Google it. So all of your highlights get synced to the cloud to your Amazon account. Let me see. There we go. Read.amazon.com slash notebook. Well, while you're doing that, uh, we're here to talk about Matthew. And uh, the first part of the book, uh, the first part of the book is, is uh, well, the, the, they start the genealogy. And uh, from what I, the genealogy uh, through up through Moses, uh, through um, uh, to Joseph, and then from Mary back. And so they have the genealogy of uh, the uh, that established that Jesus is the lineage of David and and Abraham. So they start with the with the genealogies and the lineage, and uh, that's important uh, for the kingship. And I think everyone, uh, you know, Matthew has been described as uh, the kingship or Jesus was the king uh, and uh, the kingship because of royalty. Uh, and it starts with his birth. And uh, a lot of and uh, if you start looking at the uh, start reading it uh, from just the content you know, it's very interesting because it talks about the birth of Jesus and how he went away and then he came back. I went to Egypt and then came back and he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in, in Nazareth. And uh, but I think uh, it's interesting that there's a lot of dreams going on. Uh, and so from the content, uh, you get the story and he went away and this happened. And it was pretty brutal when Herod killed all the babies and. It's a brutal story. Yeah. But on the other hand, you think, uh, if you look, if you back up and look at the story as a whole, uh, some of the critics would say, there are a lot of dreams going on back then, you know. Uh, why were there so many dreams? And why, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, I don't have that many dreams to say, do this, do that, do this, do that. Uh, and uh, who knows, it may be a culture thing, like, you know, he, he talked around and realized that this should, 
he heard a bunch of stuff and then he, when he woke up, like you're daydreaming and it could mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But uh, literally, uh, a dream, an angel told him uh, to leave. An angel told him to come back. Uh, don't go to, uh, don't go here and go here and go there. So he was directed where to go with, uh, with dreams. And so it. Uh, I mean, Joseph uh, was right, not Jesus. Jesus was a little baby. I mean, I mean, Joseph. Was. Well, the other thing too, another critic would say. Uh, how did Matthew know all these details? I mean, did Jesus tell? Because Matthew only knew Jesus when he was older, mm-hmm. you know, and did he really, where did he get all this detail of the story? Uh, did Jesus tell him how he was born? Did Joseph and Mary tell him how he was born? You know, how, how did he get all this detail looking from a practical sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard I heard that argument too. How would you know these details? I would say uh, the the thing for me is that there's not much detail. You know, in 28 chapters and two and a half hours of reading, it tells the whole life of one of the most important people in Western history. And two and a half hours—that's barely the length of a feature film. You know, you know there's a lot left on the cutting room floor. So basically, this was just the highlights. But the thing is, Jesus was like a human highlight reel. Everything he did was a highlight. So every story is like, wow, is the climax. Whether it's his birth and being, you know, uh, the Christmas story. And then, of course, he has to get shuffled off uh, while Herod kills all the babies. And then he starts preaching. Everything he does is miracle after miracle after miracle. And um, I know that Matthew's sort of recording a history, but uh, Jesus doesn't really change throughout the course of the story. I mean, everyone else changes around him. He changes the world. You know what I mean? Jesus is always just Jesus. Uh, It's not the type of thing where Jesus grows and learns. Like, he starts out badass and he ends up badass. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he uh but it just it just strikes me like if i was going to uh tell a story and write a story of someone that i know uh some that i worked with some people that i worked with some people i respect if i wrote a story about even a family member uh one of my parents or something uh i could i could write a story, but I don't think I could write all these details. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what someone said, or uh, Joseph had a dream to to go do this. Well, how, who told him that? How did he know that? Yeah. How did he know that Joseph had a dream at that time to do that? Uh, I don't. Know. It just uh, not. I'm not saying it's it's false. I'm just saying that's where skeptics would come in and start arguing. Uh, how did, is this just a story he made up or is this real? Yeah. So, so Christianity, uh, evangelicals really believe that this is the word of God and that is a story and that's true. I feel like skeptics would be more likely to say they touched the hem of his garment and they were healed of their leprosy or blindness or dumbness. And it's like, that's not how it works. You know, these people had these terrible, terrible maladies and they were cured right away. 
I'll buy that. But the fact that Matthew remembered it, that's beyond the pale in terms of my ability to accept it. I think that the miracles of Jesus are unlikely from a, from a modern <laughs> yeah. scientific standpoint. A lot of skeptics would go there. But also skeptics would say, how can you remember every word, like the Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes, every, how could you remember all of that text without writing it down when he said it? Because the way it's presented is, is that he went up, opened his mouth, and began speaking. Mm-hmm. And this is, I don't know how many decades before. Uh, have you ever heard a speech that was very moving, like uh, Martin Luther King's speech? Sit down and write down everything that Martin Luther King said in his speech. Yeah. You know, uh, that, was in, that was inspiring. I heard that. I was there. I heard it. That was awesome. Okay, write it all down 20 years later. <laughs> The only speech you know? I remember verbatim is at my cousin's wedding. His best man got up and he said, we called him Fuzzy. I don't know what she <laughs> sees in you. To Fuzzy. I'll never forget that. And it's like you remember the dumbest things. But it's tough to remember something that's profound. Something that's profound sort of it, it activates a feeling. Something that's absurd, you're more likely to remember it. Does that sort of stand to reason? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But could you write down everything that you heard in that speech? Could you rewrite the speech? No. I'm just saying that's, you know, critics and skeptics would say, how did he remember all those details? But I think that the stumbling block wouldn't be Matthew's remembrance. There's people that have very good memories. There's no people in the world that can touch someone and heal them of a, a lifelong condition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They'll, 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 go, they'll go that direction, too. What I'm saying is there's all different directions you can approach uh, skepticism on uh, the book of the Bible. So people will argue, uh, we have it. It's here. And uh, centuries have gone by to, uh, to look at, uh, to pray about, to come up with a canon of Scripture. And we have through generations and and centuries we have the word and the word of god and we're going to believe it so it's belief mm-hmm. it's belief in the word of god and uh it it has lasted through literally the ages so it has lasted through the ages so i guess to address to address the skeptics we have it through the ages and men of god and godly men have brought it to us and the Spirit of God have, has brought us the, 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 uh, the Scripture. Okay, so whether it's, whether, I get it, I'm, I'm addressing the skeptics and that I'm doing the other side now. Whether it's true or not, let's just talk about what the Bible says. Yeah, so let's go, let's start with the Beatitudes. Because that's a pretty, okay, that, that, that's a greatest hit. That's like uh, the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, you know. So one of the first thing they, yep. Chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the way 
or blessed are they which persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Boom. There it is, Mikey. Yeah, there it is. Whoops. Sorry what? about that. That's all good. I can't see your screen. I know. Let me come to here. Since we're doing this, uh, let's go back up, look at... Oh, and then right after that, let's see here. Yeah, look at uh, 5, 13, 14, and 15. Okay, I'm going to go back and sort of parse this a little bit. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Have lost his savor. Uh, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Okay. You're the light, you're the light of the world. Uh, neither men can light a candle. Let your, let, let your light so shine, uh, that etc. So there you go from... Uh, yeah. So why do you Salt of the earth and the light... Well, uh, I was going to play a song with that in it. Oh, okay. Uh, we didn't talk about this before. <laughs> uh, in other words, years ago, uh, Kathy wrote the words. I wrote the music. I don't know if you can hear this or not. Did you share your audio? I was going to play it through the speakers. Oh, you can share your screen and share your audio. Okay. Share screen. And then share with audio. Share computer sound. Mm-hmm. Start sharing. Can you see my can you see the can you see this? Yes. Can you hear this? The sun want to see the truth you want. Back up when I start. Here we go. Say you want to see the truth, you want to do what's right. The Son, he came to teach all men, he said, you are the light. Then he said the brilliance fades when the light you hide. And so with love it slowly dies if it's kept inside. So show the world you are the light and thank the Lord above. For though he's given many gifts, the best by far is love. 
died for us although he had no fault but while on earth he spoke the word he said you are the salt so show the world you are the salt the gift of life don't waste remember that the salt's no good when it has lost its taste and if you keep in mind the Son of God has taught You'll see that in the end You'll find the truth that you have sought There we go. Nice, nice. How about that? Now that's the first time that has ever been heard. <laughs> Broadcast on to the world. Ah, thanks for letting me do that, David. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was written. Uh, Kathy wrote the word. My wife, your mother, Kathy wrote those words back in I think around 1975, 76, 1977, and I wrote the songs. I played the guitar. I sang in front of a little uh, one take. I pushed the recorder and I sang in front of a recorder, a little portable recorder. That's the first time it's ever been heard. Well, so we put it on our podcast. How about that? First time. Yeah. First time release. Thanks, David. You're and welcome. how did I get it off the tape? Hey, guys, David pulled it off the tape for me and put it, made it digital because <laughs> uh -huh. he knows how to do that stuff. Anyway, so that's there it is. It's it's in the it's in the uh, uh, it's in Matthew chapter five. Yep. So that that uh, and actually that's just one song that so many people have used used the Beatitudes so many times. So as a matter of fact, I heard uh, uh, Matthew five, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, five nine. Uh, that was quoted uh, in Congress uh, yesterday in the impeachment hearings. Mm -hmm. They blessed said the they said that uh, guy that sent those that ravening mob that killed that cop, you got to let him off the hook because blessed are the peacemakers. That's what they said, right? I don't remember. See, I don't even remember what he said. I just remember, oh, Beatitudes. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, See, I don't even remember exactly what he said. He said, basically, if you don't let Donald Trump off, he needs to get off scot-free or else you're not a peacemaker. So God, God looks poorly upon you if you think that someone should be punished for crimes. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if thy right eye offendeth thee, pluck it out and cast it for thee. <laughs> no, no, but Jesus also said, agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast in prison. So that means that the Democrats have to agree with the Republicans or else they're not doing Jesus' bidding, right? <laughs> well, Jesus said a lot of things. I think you can interpret anything. If, if you see yourself as the good guy in the story, if you see yourself as on God's side, then the other side is the one that's going to be punished. You never see yourself as the one that can be punished. 
You never look at your own deeds. You know, there's Matthew has, uh, I can't find the quote, it's later on. It's easier for a camel to enter through a needle's eye than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And what do these televangelist grifters who just milk their congregations for millions and millions of dollars and don't help them at all, what do they think about that passage? Well, he also said, don't take any money. Mm-hmm. Go at the, I, again, we should find these verses, but he said, if you read the book and read all the book, <laughs> uh, he says, uh, you know, don't take any money. Don't be like the Sadducees and Pharisees. You know, do things for good. You know, don't, 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 don't do it with where everybody can see you. If when you pray, go into this room and pray. Just don't take money when you go out there to do it. Uh, uh, we should have written these verses down. I got a question, read- though. This is a technical question. He says, uh, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Basically saying the praying should be done in the home, not in the church. Right? He's contrasting prayer to the father versus prayer to the to the to the public uh because look at the next verse he says uh when you pray use not vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they shall be heard for much speaking now then he says here's the our father or the the lord's prayer and then the lord's prayer is the next thing you see but the thing is the catholic church when you do penitence they say oh give me just say the lord's prayer 50 times and then, you know, the fact that you got drunk and punched a guy in a bar, you'll be forgiven that sin, my son. And it's like, that sounds an awful lot like vain repetition to me. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven? You know, that's a, I always thought it was who art in heaven, but which art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I think you have the King James Version. Is that what that is? Yes. You see, that. See, I have the New American Standard. It says, uh, our Father... Who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. You know? And notice it says, Hallowed be thy name. So they still use thy and mm-hmm. thou in places. Uh, but uh, the New American Standard uh, took the language and translated. We talked about that last, last week. Yeah. So the translation is closer to our English and not uh, 16th century English. Mm-hmm. Or, or 15th century. Se- 17th century. 17th century English. Early seventeenth so, century English, yeah, early, and it did, and it did change. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what Jesus is talking about uh, in the first half of Matthew is uh, personal. Uh, just look, don't do things so, so people can see you. Do things so the heavenly Father can see you. Mm-hmm. Do things in your life uh, they can see you. It says, you know, you say. Uh, don't kill. Do not kill. Well, that's true. He says, but I say, when you hate your brother, uh, you're guilty too. So he, 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 went, he went from the outside to the inside. Look on the inside. Change the inside of yourself. So 
uh, a lot of what he talked about in this in this book looks at the inside person, not the out, not just the outside person. Do you remember uh, Jimmy Carter? This is this is a, the Jimmy Carter passage right here. You've heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Remember when Jimmy Carter came out and he said, I have a confession. <laughs> yeah. I, I have... saw some lady and I thought she was hot. I am so sorry. Right? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, this in church, this passage was talked about, and my dad, Sequoia, we got to bring Sequoia in. We're sons of Sequoia, right? Mm -hmm. He came home, and we were talking about that, and he goes, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so, and what he said, I believe. I said, what did he say? He says, well, you know, you can't keep them birds from flying over your head but you can sure keep it from nesting in your hair. I go, what? Oh, I see. You can think about it, but you don't have to act on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so before you commit adultery, uh, I think what he's saying is you have to have lust. So that lust is going to lead to adultery. And so that lust has to be controlled. And so this guy was saying, you can't keep the birds from flying around your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. I, I got I just popped into my head when I heard that. I thought, uh, so my dad liked that. Yeah. But that's a good way to say it. You know, you don't have to act on these things. Do we have uh, urges? Of course we do. Uh, that doesn't mean we have lust. That doesn't mean that lust is going to action. It's going to do things that we shouldn't be doing. Can you imagine President Trump, though, former, a disgraced former President Trump, saying... I have transgressed of the Bible. Please forgive me, everyone. I lusted in my heart after another besides my wife. I ask for your forgiveness. I repent, and I will not do that again. Could you imagine that? Like Jimmy Carter did? I Jim think the question is, which, uh, which wife? <laughs> hey -oh, got him. <laughs> gotcha. Got <laughs> him. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but uh, the other thing, too, is this is talking about... Uh, the the uh, you know the Ten Commandments, you know, about the law, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there again, uh, this is another question. But uh, uh, it is your does that really have any effect on you being president? Uh, yeah. So can he be a good president? Uh, did David? Did King David sin with Bathsheba? Yes. Does that mean he cannot be a great king? Uh, no, he was a great king. Uh, how? Well, he repented. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, and he talks about repentance in here too. And also chapter 7. Uh, Do not judge lest you be judged. Of course, people are going to pick that up quite a bit and say, you know, you can't be, you can't be going around judging people. And... Uh, so a lot of what Jesus said in Matthew is judge yourself. Don't judge others. It says, look, who are you? And also the other thing I, I noticed in, in, in uh, Matthew is how much the people loved his preaching because it was not like the Sadducees and Pharisees. Yeah. It was not like them. 
I kind of feel like if you take a like a modern analog, I don't know who Jesus is in the modern analog, but the Pharisees are the Republicans. And the Sadducees are the Democrats. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's just a whole unrighteous, unholy union going on in leadership. Well, actually, historically, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up, Pharisees. One is the religious, the Sadducees were, were religious uh, Jewish political uh, group. Um, I, I think one one was more religious and the other was more political. Mm-hmm. I don't. I remember. I don't. I can't remember which is which. Uh, I guess the Sadducees were more of the religious uh, right, and the Pharisees were more of the uh, political. And I remember they they had. That's why I keep saying Sadducees and Pharisees. One uh, came from one perspective; the other came from another perspective. But they both didn't like Jesus. Because Jesus pretty much uh, was uh, attacked both of them, mm-hmm. yeah. and so did John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in Matthew, by the way, too. He is a, a cousin of Jesus, and it also talks about uh, Jesus's brothers and sisters too. Does it? Where? Oh boy, I I brought that up. I can't remember where. I don't remember uh, that. Let me find it. Yeah, I talked about. Uh, it was very very interesting. Uh, some of the, uh, let me find it. Talks about his mother and, and his brothers and sisters, and he says, uh, "You are my brothers. You are my, you are my family." You know, because he was preaching, and someone said, "Hey, go. Your brothers and sisters are outside." Judge you, you not keep that talking. ye be not judged. For with that judgment ye judge. Well, Ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Mm-hmm. That's a that's the greatest hit, I would say. Yeah, God's that, greatest hits. That's quotable. I know. like. I mean, I like judge not lest ye be judged. The King James is judge not that ye be not judged. That's a little bit of a mouthful to me. I don't know. Oh, what verse was that? Seven one. Okay, let me see what the New American Standard says. Sorry, can't get to it here. Here we go. Do not judge lest you be judged. Mm -hmm. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured measured by you. It will be measured to you. Okay, it's a little, little bit more concise and to the point. Um, so what do you think is the deal with all this healing of the sick? That's a big part of Matthew. He goes around, he touches people, he heals them. What's the deal? <laughs> well, the uh, again, uh, I can't. I don't remember exactly where the verse is, but... Uh, uh, he healed the sick, and so they, he says, oh, oh, uh, someone with uh, malady, or they were crippled, or they couldn't walk or something. And Jesus says, 
your sins are forgiven. And so he was criticized by the Sadducees or Pharisees, like, like, whoa, how can you do that? That's that he says, yeah, which is easier to say? Which is which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or you're healed? And he didn't answer that. He said, he turned around and he says, you are healed. And then he healed, he's healed, and he gets up and starts walking. And he, and so the scholars are saying he heals the sick and he does all these miracles to prove that he is the son of God. And so uh, it, it's not to heal the sick, it's to, to prove his deity and he's, he's the son of God and he does have the power. And he gave that power to his disciples. Disciples healed too. Mm-hmm. And so he gave that power. So it, it, was a, it was a show of his deity. That's why so evangelicals that he, think they can heal people, right? Yes, because he, he delegated that power to his disciples. Uh, and, he, and he said, if you believe. That's why Pat Robertson and Kenneth Copeland think they can heal people on TV. Mm-hmm. But they can't. Well, so, no, they don't. They don't today. Well, how do we know that they did back then? All we have is a record. Don't know. Well, if we believe the Bible, it happened. If you have faith, you know. If you have faith, that's right. It's all about belief. We talked about belief and truth. Belief and and truth uh, sometimes are two different things. You can't prove it. Logically proving something and believing in something are really two different things. You can believe in something even when it's not true, uh, or you can't you can't uh, uh, create a, create a logical argument for it. Jesus does a lot of talking in the Book of Matthew. Is this the word? Is his most talking? I don't know. Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. Matthew. They have a lot of a lot of uh, uh, parables. In Matthew, there's parables in the other books too, but a lot of parables in Matthew's, and, and a lot about him, uh, uh, his uh, preaching and prophesying. Mm-hmm. And you notice a lot of it, as the prophets said, Jeremiah, as Ezekiel says, yeah, a lot of prophets because it's establishing his kingship, that he is he is the the king, uh, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then he calls his own shot, like Babe Ruth with his death. He says, "I will die." And I'll come back three days later. That's right. So he put that in there too. Mm-hmm. And the loaves and the fishes, that's uh, Matthew. Uh-huh. He does it twice. I never knew that he did it twice. He did it twice. Yeah, he, he did it more than once. Twice is recorded. Uh, but that was something that he would do. And they'd say, yeah, Jesus did it. And I think that the church has learned... For good or for ill, you know, for ill, if you say, oh, we can heal you because we're evangelical pastors, that's just a bunch of gobbledygook. But the church has learned also, you know, you want people to come to your side, feed them. Right? Well, like, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, what what's a, what's it called, Maslow's Hierarchy or... or where you, you have the basic needs and then you have self-actualization. Isn't that what that is? That is what that is. Well, if you look at when Jesus was tempted, uh, a lot of people studied this too. 
uh, back when Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, before his ministry started, back way back in chapter, where was it? Where was the forty days and forty nights in the wilderness? That's the beginning, like chapter three or something. Yeah. Well, Satan came to tempt him. There we go. Uh, Satan came to tempt him. And the first thing was uh, turn those, see, uh, command these stones to become bread. So the first thing was tempted was the basic needs of bread. Right? So that's the basic need. So that's exactly how Jesus uh, began preaching the basic needs. Uh, let's let's feed these people and 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 uh, and give them because they are hungry. And then the second need, he says, says no, uh, man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He says no, I'm not going to worship the bread. I'm going to worship God. And then Satan came back a second time, and said, oh well, uh, then the devil took him into the uh, holy city. And had him stand on the the uh, pinnacle, and said, "If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, uh, and uh, and and uh, you all, then you can have control over all of this." So the other was power, uh, you know, like power corrupts. Uh, and he says, on the other hand, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, you know. And then then he tested him again about uh, uh, you have. The power to be saved and he says be gone because I'm only going to serve God I'm not going to serve you if you fall in with me so the the three tests uh, are have very specific type type results on them and that can pretty much parallel his preaching too and we see that even today some things don't change mm-hmm. so we're kind of giving sermons here I don't want to do that uh, but there's a lot in here. I guess my question is, there's five loaves and three fishes, and he feeds 5,000 men plus the women and the children or whatever. Is, isn't that in a little way like bribery? <laughs> Listen to what I have to say, but first I'll feed you. I know you're hungry. Now you're even more attentive to what, like, you know, receptive to what I have to say. Give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Give the people what they need. Yeah, that's a better way of talking about it instead of analyzing it too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he was, he was very look uh, uh, like the man who came and said, uh, "I need to bury my father first. He says, "No, you follow me first." Mm-hmm. You know, wow. Uh, but a lot of them said, "Bury my father means I'm going to go stay with my father. I- I'm choosing my my family over you." He says, no, if, if you want to follow me, you follow me. So he he required, uh, you know, commitment. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to find where it talked about the, his family. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that, but it might be in the part that I didn't read. So he gets into some parables, the one, the parable of the sower. He that sows will throw stuff into the rocks and into the thorns, but then he might grow some stuff too. And that's basically like, uh, what he's saying is, you're going to throw some stuff, that's like his preaching, but I suppose you could take it as a lesson for your life as well. You're going to say some stuff in your life that you think is wisdom, and it's just going to fall on deaf ears. 
you're going to say some stuff in your life that people will take and they'll be the thorns and they'll misinterpret it and use it for evil ends. But if the stuff you say is meaningful and it takes root, those who listen to you, or those who listen to the word of God, I suppose, um, it will have an impact beyond, you know, a hundredfold or whatever. That's, that's the parable of the sower. You go around sowing your seeds. Um, you sow them to everyone. And they might fall on deaf ears. They might get misinterpreted. But if they land in the right spot, you're going to get a return on your investment, basically. That's the parable of the sower. And we've mentioned this before. You could say what the message is, or you could have the message embedded in a parable or a story, and people are going to remember the story. Yeah, well... Uh, Very powerful. Well, we can look and look at this... Uh, so he tells the parable, and his disciples are like, what? What? I don't get it. And he's like, I speak to them in parables because they seeing not and hearing, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore yep. the parable of the sower. <laughs> and then yeah. he basically says what I said. Uh, I mean, he says yep. it a little more old-timey. But it's basically, <laughs> it's basically saying people, you could tell them the meaning of the parable and it would just wash over them. But if you give them a story to latch on to, that's what they'll, they'll remember it, like you said. that's He's basically saying what you said a little bit more verbosely. Yeah. The, the story helps the dumb and the recalcitrant. Recalcitrant, is that the right word? Let's find uh -huh. out. Uh, well, the thing, the thing about the, the, the story is, and also is that you can take a story and interpret it different ways and have different types of interpretation. And that's why his disciples kept saying, well, what does that mean? Well, here's what I meant by that. And so his teaching, if you start thinking about it, was fascinating. It, he was, uh, he was uh, uh, I know people who don't believe that he's a son of God uh, will also uh, acknowledge that he was a great teacher. Mm -hmm. and, and because he, he taught very effectively, especially what was recorded in here, because uh, he, would, he would give a story, go, whoa, I get that. I understand that. But what does that mean? And so he would give a meaning that he would meant it meant to, to give, and they will always remember the meaning because they had a story to put the meaning on, <laughs> and it was extremely effective, very effective. Well, uh, yeah, so effective that he uh, uh, made the Sadducees and, and Pharisees angry. Yeah, I mean he was taking their shine. It kind of reminds me of uh, this is a modern day analogy. When the New York Times or Wall Street Journal does a hit piece on a YouTuber, like PewDiePie, and they say, he's dangerous, blah, 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 he's bad. And it's like, why is he bad? 
It's like because he's one guy with a webcam in his basement, and he has more reach than your 100-year-old newspaper. And on some level, maybe there are some problematic things about the way that he does things. But on another level, the Wall Street Journal's just butthurt that some 28-year-old guy can reach 100 million people just by flipping on his webcam, and they've been printing the same newspaper for 100 years, and they can't reach a fraction of that, right? Mm-hmm. There's some of that to why the Wall Street Journal thinks that he's... Dating. So when you read in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, like, this influencer is bad, sometimes it's this influencer is bad because he is doing things that people identify with more than we are, and he just started. And we've been trying to perfect this for 100 years. I feel like the Sadducees and the Pharisees are like that too. Jesus was an influencer. He was the original influencer. And instead of Mm -hmm. Instagram, he stood upon a mountaintop, or he stood from the bow of a ship, and he preached to people. Uh, But people heard him, and they were influenced by him. And influencers, they sometimes they'll ruffle the establishment. Because the establishment says, we have a monopoly on this messaging conduit. And he's upending our monopoly. Therefore, the merits of what he's saying, you got to dismiss him. Just the fact that he exists at all is problematic. And then what did they do? They killed him. Killed him. Yeah. It's like uh, Martin Luther King, a story of a guy who advocated for nonviolence, who thought that everyone should be equal, um, who spoke passionately to large groups of people and said that we'll walk hand in hand as brothers. And because he did that, they killed him. Same with Jesus, right? It's a dangerous philosophy to say that I think we should have peace and understanding uh, in this world. You're liable to get yourself killed start saying stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's dangerous to to talk about unity. Mm-hmm. And those that talk about divisiveness and those that talk about unity, it's it's they don't mix. They don't go together. No. And they'll t- turn your words against you. That's like well, turn sowing seeds among the thorns, right? That's right. Turn, yeah, there again, the, the story comes back because you know exactly what that means, and it fits, it fits. Mm-hmm. Well, turn to Matthew uh, 13, chapter 13, verse 53. Okay, I'm there. Should I read it? Yeah, go ahead and read uh, 53 through 55. Okay, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Hoses and Simon and Judas? I thought that that was uh, his disciples. It is, but he also had brothers. See, that's the thing of it is. He had disciples, uh, John and brother James and Peter and Andrew, but his brothers, James, Joseph is John. Uh, that's that's the uh, old word for uh, Joseph, the guy says. The New American Standard has brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Uh, those are common names. Those are his brothers. But go on. 
Continue and, on. And his sisters, are they not with us? Whence then yeah. hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He didn't do anything yeah. good there because they didn't believe in him? Uh, he, he just he just moved on. Hmm. Uh, but notice, but the point, point is that his brothers and his sisters, so this is a verse that says, yeah, he did have brothers and sisters. Of course, uh, at the early part of Matthew that... Uh, that he was Jesus was the firstborn. Uh, that didn't mean there were others born after him. It's true. I guess and, it's just saying James, Simon, Judas, as his brothers, makes you to believe. Like could lead you to believe that his sisters are also just people that are following him, and that he's an only child. That's right. He, he yeah, brothers and sisters, as if they were spiritual brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like anyone, if you truly believe in the divinity of Jesus would be a half-brother or half-sister, not a brother or sister. That's true. If they were Joseph and Mary's kids. That's right. If Joseph went on Maury Povich, Maury Povich would do a DNA test and say, Joseph, you are not the father. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's right. So I got to... Um, Chapter 20, and Jesus is about to discuss his imminent demise. I feel like that's the whole crux of the story, though, right? That's when Jesus proves his divinity. Because the whole time, they're like, you truly are uh, the son of God. And he's like, listen, I'm just some guy, but they're going to kill me, and I'll come back in three days, and then you'll know, you know, let me prove this. And then he did, and that sort of sealed the deal, right? Yeah, the first first part is just uh, parables to the people, you know, like... Uh, what to the people, and then he started talking about his his uh, deity, his self, and his uh, son of God and his persona. Yeah, toward the end. Yeah, maybe we can talk about the end later, uh, because there's there's a lot more to talk about at the end of Matthew. Yeah, maybe uh, t- we can do uh, it's it's twenty eight chapters. Maybe we could do fifteen through twenty eight next week. That's take, right. Take two weeks for Matthew. Well, I was thinking about talking about Matthew. And when I think of Matthew, I think of Matthew 7, 21 through 23, because this is what I've used this verse back when I was younger. And uh, uh, I used to, I don't know if anyone out there knows the Navigators. I was with the Navigators for a year, and they were pretty big on uh, memorizing Scripture. You memorize Scripture. And you, you memorize it and quote it. And I would always do Matthew 7, 21, 22, and 23. Uh, do you want to recite it? Or should I read it? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it from the New American Standard, and you can see what it is in the King James. Uh, Matthew 7, 21. Um, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the old uh, old English says, um, depart from me. See, where is it at? 
ye that work iniquity. Yeah, that's how I've always, see, I first memorized the King James. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many, many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I, will, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Uh, I've used that verse many times, uh, and the way we used it way back when was, look, it's not what you do, it's what's in your heart. And so good people can do bad things. He says, it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you, do you have a personal relationship? It's not about what you do, uh, because if you do many wonderful works in his name, if you prophesy in his name, if you do many wonderful things in his, if you heal, if you do this, if you preach, if you, all these things in his name, Jesus says that is iniquity. If you don't know me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how, what's the difference? How do you know someone knows him? And Jesus says, it's not about what you do. It's about knowing me. And so we use that verse with the, those verses to say it's not about your deeds prove, uh, prove who you are. It's who you are will uh, establish and prove the value of your deeds. And so it, it goes on and talks about the fruits of the tree uh, and that your uh, your life will will deliver, will generate positive fruit and you'll know them by their fruits. Yeah, so it's not about keeping score. No, it's not. And I think that not. too many people think that it's about keeping score. Yeah, it's about it's about letting your deeds be. Uh, you you are who you are and be who you are. Mm -hmm. And your deeds, they just they they're just as a result of who you are. They don't prove who you are. You know, and uh, I know my dad was very much that way. Uh, he did so many things he never told anyone. And uh, and and uh, I would talk to him every morning. My dad, Sequoia. Let's get back to Sequoia. Every morning, uh, my mother would work in the morning in the store. My dad would work in the, in the evening in the store. I'd wake up in the morning in the summertime when I wasn't in school. And he'd have his coffee and I would drink uh, tea and uh, uh, would talk. And he'd tell me things that he would do. And I says, well, doesn't anyone know that? He says, nah, no, I, no, don't, no need, no need. I just do what I do. And he helped so many people, so many people. One of these days, we're running out of time on this episode, but one of these days, I'd like to tell you some of the things he did along the lines of go in your closet and be and, and have a relationship with, with, uh, with God through Jesus Christ and, and just have the Holy Spirit lead you doing good. Uh, don't go out and say, uh, I gotta, I gotta pound this Bible, and I want everyone to see me pound this Bible to be good. Look at me, look at me. That's what the Sadducees and Pharisees do. Jesus said, it's between you and Him. Yeah, between you and God. And my dad was that way, very much that way. And he would tell me, and I felt like a disciple. I'd say, well, well, Daddy, what do you mean by that? Well. What I meant was this, you know, and he wouldn't tell people. He'd tell me. And I, I was very lucky, very lucky. He was he was remarkable. I'll tell you some of the things he did sometime. 
uh, that, that no one ever knew. It was it was remarkable. He helped so many people. And he says, I says, why do you do that? He says, because I know when I die, I've done everything I could to help people. And whether people know it or not, doesn't matter. I know it. Mm-hmm. And too bad too many people don't live that way. Yeah. You do good because it's good. You don't go do good so people can see you. Well, and that's what Jesus what Jesus taught. I think that's a good place to stop. I think so, too. Um, but before we go, should I show you a uh, clip? Or, yeah. All right, this is from the Today Show. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it was number one on trending. Are you ready? Ready. Bringing back the old daily click for this one. You may have seen the term cat lawyer trending on Twitter overnight, and it's Can't all thanks it. to a viral video. Oh, I got to share my screen. Sorry. I see uh, it. I don't hear it. Yeah, I don't share sound. Here we go. Got it now? Uh, no, I don't. Now I don't see it. Now I see it. If you haven't seen it, Got check it. out what happened when an attorney showed up to Zoom court. Okay. I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to. Uh, uh, take, take we're trying to. We're tr can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the... it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. That's not, I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm not a cat. <laughs> well, joining us now is attorney Rob. I'm here live. I'm not a cat. So I think that, you know, if we have technical difficulties on this show, at least we're not arguing in front of court as kittens and cats, right? No, uh, we're just we're just we're just being two sons of sequoias, all we are. That's right. And uh I think maybe we should take an extra week with the book of Matthew. Uh go chapters fourteen through twenty eight, because then we can cover, of course, the the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um it is it's much more difficult than I thought it was going to be because the Bible is very dense, you know? And this one page, uh, there's enough material to spend an hour, you know? For every mm -hmm. chapter, you, we could do 28 hours on the book of Matthew for all 28 chapters. Maybe not the first chapter, that one's a little bit dry. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Easy. Uh, uh, Easy. You can go through each parable and sort of, meet out examples from real life or examples from history. You could sort of say, also, he could be saying this. You know, you could analyze the nuances of each parable because they are deliberately vague. And so it's difficult to say, let's take one hour and cover the entire book of Matthew because so much happens. I taught a Sunday school once uh, to high school kids, and I took the Gospels and looked at the logic that Jesus used. And, and his arguments and the logic behind his arguments. And uh, that was very interesting. And those kids were, were just, uh, you know, I, that's when I began to realize, wow, these kids are pretty sharp. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really fun, really fun. It was really it, good. Doesn't Jesus say in the book of Matthew that the children shall inherit the kingdom of heaven or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He says, let the children come unto me. You have to come, become as a little child before you enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they're so like yeah. from the mouths of babes. They possess wisdom because they're not really spoiled by the earth, or something like that. Well, that's an that's a that's an interpretation. He just says, "No, let them come to me," and mm-hmm. he let them come to him, and he and he and he taught them. Because knowledge, oh, David, I'll, I've said this so many times. Knowledge knows no age. Uh, people are smart, uh, even when they're children and, and older. And I mean. Like I said, I'm not, everybody's smart in their own way. Put it that way. That's a better way to put it. Everyone is smart in their own way. And never think anybody is dumb about everything, but never think any one person is smart about everything. Mm-hmm. And just because someone's why, an expert at something doesn't mean they have a clue in other things. That's why we need each other. Mm-hmm. We need each other. No matter how smart you are, there's someone else that you're going to need. I think that the entirety of human knowledge is based upon communication. You know, unless you know, unless you burned your feet in the fire, you learn not to put your feet in the fire because some guy burned his feet in the fire and he said, "Don't do that; it hurts." You know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yeah, I think and the we... best and the best way to teach someone is with a story. Yes, we need each other, and uh, these stories are good. That's why they've survived for thousands of years. And I know, you know, the Cherokee, Indian, Native Americans, a lot of their history is stories. Mm-hmm. The story of this, the story of that. And whether the story is true or not, a lot of the stories are. But no, like the, uh, the story of the, the turtle, though, that went down and came back, a Cherokee uh, legend. And uh, the point is, the meaning of the story is what's important to a people. Yeah, I think, uh, and maybe after we do the Gospels, and if, if each one takes two weeks, that's eight weeks. But maybe we could do myths of the Cherokee as well. Yeah, I think going through just the Gospels, I think, uh, as you say, we can have 28 weeks just on each chapter. Yeah. There's so much in each of these chapters. And uh, some books of the Bible are that way. Uh, Psalms are that way. Proverbs are that way. Proverbs. I love Proverbs. It's, it's a lot like Proverbs is a lot like Jesus's parables. Mm-hmm. A parable and a proverb are very similar. It's like a parable is the first century uh, instruction. Uh, the Proverbs are like uh, the what? Uh, BC. Yeah, 500 it, BC instruction. 500 BC or 1000 BC uh, uh, instruction. Uh, both are very effective. Yeah. So it analyze the Bible not from what it says, but how it says it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we solved all the world's problems. Yeah, at least for now. And uh, we'll do another week of Matthew. Yeah, let's do another week of the last part of Matthew where uh, they talked about where we'll he go dies. 14 through 28, or 15 through 28, because we covered the first part. Um, it's just there's so much stuff. Every single line is a greatest hit. Yeah, it is. And you read that, and go, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I know that. So it's a very familiar. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, let's do the last part of it. Okay, that sounds good. So we'll sign off for now until tomorrow. We'll do a week in review tomorrow, and then we'll be back on Monday with uh, whatever the hell we feel like, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. Monday we'll 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 talk about something that that we will enjoy talking about. Mm-hmm. And actually, and it, we should look at a movie on Tuesday. I love I love. Movie Tuesdays. I really like that. I think we might actually watch uh, Waiting for Superman. 
the 2010 Best Documentary Oscar winner about education. Okay. Because you're passionate about education, and I've never seen it before, so. I'm, yeah, I've never seen it either, but I am passionate about education because I think that's, that's a key to so many things, knowledge and experience, so. Great. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I'll let you have the last word, and we'll get out of here. Let me play the Talking Leaf theme so that everyone can have a little musical outro, but is there anything you'd like to say? Yes. Sons of, Sons of Sequoia wants to leave with you about keep on talking, but listen more than you talk.